Blog Talk Radio.
Amen. Amen and amen. We stand in Christ alone. Welcome to the Berean Bible Chapel. Blog Talk Radio broadcast for the 29th of April in the year of our Lord, 2018. Here we are again, brothers and sisters in Christ. And I'm sorry to say we do not have a chat room. If we do have a chat room, I cannot moderate it. And I do not know what the technical problem that Blog Talk Radio has with our chat room, but they assure me it's being addressed, blah, blah, blah. You know the route. You know the routine. We are here today. We're joined uh, as co-hosts today, subbing, stepping up to the plate for uh, Marianne as our sister in Christ. This is really amazing, a sister in Christ in uh, uh, Maple Heights, Ohio. Maple Heights, Ohio is uh, unable to co-host, and so a sister in Christ in Colorado Colorado uh, steps up to the plate, and I'm talking about our dear and uh, close friend, uh, Linda Dodd. Linda Dodd, uh, we're going to just turn the studio mic over to you right now, ask you to open this uh, time together in prayer with us. Oh, thank you for the blessing of, of allowing me to do that. Father God, we come to you this afternoon, Father, and there's, your word says that where there are three or more gathered in your name, you are in our midst, and you are the God of all flesh, and there's nothing too difficult for you. So even though we're scattered all throughout the United States, and, and we'll even go by faith and say that we don't know who's hearing, so it might be even people out of the country, Father, but we, we know and thank you that we can come boldly your throne of grace because of the shed blood and the finished work of the cross father so we come to you as one in one spirit father and we lift it up to you all of those spoken and unspoken requests father i know that there are many in the berean bible chapel that are going through through some some very difficult times and, and various trials and father you are with us every step of the way Father, we just ask that you would continue to help us to keep our eyes solely focused on you, to give us strength in our in our weakness. And, Father, your word even promises us that in our weaknesses that your grace is sufficient and your power is perfected. Help us to know that, Father. And we just ask for also, Lord, those that have are coming out of trials, we give you praise and honor, Father, for all of the many blessings that you've bestowed on them. And, Father, we know that even though we we are going through these difficult times, many of us are in the wilderness, and, Father, we know that we're to give you thanks in and for all things, for this is the will of God concerning us. And, Father, we're also told that your spirit, when we are so down, that even a sigh, Father, your Holy Spirit will turn that into a sweet prayer to you. So, Father, we give you, we intercede, we give you thanks and praise for those that are uh, have seen miracles and, and your mercy made manifest here. Father, we also lift up all of the persecuted churches throughout the world. Father, we know that there's a lot of things going on that a lot we know about and a lot we don't know about. So, Father, we lift our precious brothers and sisters up to you and we know that you're able to do exceedingly abundantly above and beyond all that we ask or think 
according to that power that works within us. So we pray for extended mercy and grace. Give them the strength to endure. And, Father, your, your word also tells us that we overcome. We all overcome by the blood of the Lamb, the word of our testimony, and loving not our lives even unto death. Give us godly wisdom, discernment, Father, even more so now in the times that we're living. Give us discernment, Lord. A lot of us have, in a personal way, seen those that come proclaiming to know you. Father, continue to give us your wisdom to be able to discern, stand firm. And your word says that we will stand, for you will make us stand. We thank you for this time that we have, that we can meet together and we can lift you up. For your word also says where where Jesus is high and lifted up, he will draw all men unto himself. So we thank you, Lord, for the privilege of being able to come to you. We thank you for what you've done, for what you're doing even now in each and every situation, heart, mind, every which way, Lord, we know that you are at work. You're hearing our prayer even before we offer it up to you. And we thank you for also for that which you have yet to do. And we give you all the praise and the honor and the glory. For we ask these things in the precious and mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen and amen.
about listeners outside the country in your prayer and that mm-hmm. they are indeed outside the country we have listeners faithful listeners uh they, i'm not sure if they're listening to the live broadcast but we have folks mm-hmm. who listen to the or in the archive they listen in the archive later in the week because these mm-hmm. broadcasts are saved in saved in the archive and uh, we have listeners in new zealand in london and uh, southampton england and we have people even in Germany, believe it or not. And uh, I'm just amazed sometimes. I And I've heard uh, somebody made, a uh, brother in Christ in uh, Israel made a copy of two of our broadcasts and put them on CD tape and gave them to the IDF soldiers to listen to when we were talking oh on Bible prophecy. Yeah, that That's was amazing. You know, that was one of those things that I just kind of 
I, I, I don't want to keep, I, I don't want to broadcast it, you know, out there all the time because, you mm-hmm. know, then those, then some of those zealous uh, Orthodox rabbis might, you know, say, wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> so, <laughs> we just, so we're just trusting the Lord, you know, we're just trusting the Lord. It's all, it's all of him. Uh, I shared this with Marianne. Uh, mm-hmm. Since this broadcast began over seven years ago, well, actually six and a half years ago, this broadcast began, mm-hmm. we've had over 33,000 listeners, and that is uh, all glory to God. That's all Jesus Christ. I mean, that is all That's him. wonderful. And, I guess and, go and make know, go and make disciples can cover a lot of different bases, can't it? Yeah, you know, and I'm like, you know, uh, <laughs> learning a lot that of ground. Yeah, learning that there's IDF soldiers on on the border of uh, Israel and Lebanon who listen to a, a CD of, of our broadcast is uh, kind of stunning, you know, because we were mm-hmm. talking about in that message we were talking about. Iran and Syria and Iran and Lebanon and all this, Hezbollah, all their rockets, you know, and everything, and how they're getting ready to and try to invade and all this. And I remember, this zealous, yeah. this, this zealous Christian brother had a contact in the IDF, and that's where he sent the archived CD. And I was like, hello. <laughs> Praise mm-hmm. the Lord for that. That's so, encouraging uh, to hear. Before we go to another hymn, I'm wondering, is there anything you'd like to share with the audience? Oh, well, I think you should know better than to give me the mic. I might take up all your time. I got a, I got a ton of stuff. I Briefly, I could just say um, I know that there's a lot out there that are currently going through the wilderness, and it, it's tough. It's really tough, and you're not alone. And uh, I, I was thinking about how many times that, Somebody had to uh, make them make themselves uh, known to Jesus when he was walking by. Uh, you know, Zacchaeus was it Zacchaeus who went up the tree, and uh, the two was it the um, the two blind men. You know, they had to had to yell, and you know, we we just we know it, it's like the Israelites when they said, "Have you brought us out to the wilderness to die?" You know, we we had garlic and onions out there, and I don't. I can speak for myself. I don't know if this is rings true to anybody else, but when you're going through a difficult time, it can get awfully quiet, and that's when you have to start taking your thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ, and and the, and the Holy Spirit will bring to your remembrance those particular verses that are personal, and that are helpful and to get us through, and he will get us through. And, and he is aware of every single thing that we are going through. It's not just some random, um, such as life, say, la vie. He, he knows exactly, you, know, you, you look at Job, you know, the Lord mm-hmm. knew exactly. And at the end, and then I'll finish with this, at the very end, the, the, it was either the second or third time that I read through Job, I caught something at the end you know his friends had a lot of uh quote-unquote good advice to give him and at the end the lord told him to pray for his friends and Job didn't get his stuff plus back until he prayed for his friends so there's so much that the lord gives us through going through these these times of trials and tribulation and um 
it's always a gift. It's always a gift. It's 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 amazing you 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 bring that up because in the message tonight, uh, the message by the way is entitled "The Battle Around Us." Everybody, we'll be looking at an Old Testament passage and then two New Testament passages when we get into that uh, just after six o'clock, but uh, uh, just after about an hour from now, and then we uh, in that message. It mentions about, you know, we're dealing in spiritual warfare and everything, but simultaneously right. we don't stop, we don't stop living and sharing the gospel. That's right. That's right. You know, uh, you know, uh, we we've, we've got to understand, you know, we're our our purposes in Christ. <clears throat> they're not our purpose; they're His purpose. It's for His purpose. And you know, uh when you're redeemed, you're uh you you're delivered. You're 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 given for a specific purpose and you're mm-hmm. uh you know, you're living for his will, you know. Uh even Jesus, the son of God, think about this folks. The only begotten son of the living God He said, Not my will. But yours be done, Father. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you think about the ramifications of that statement, that Christ, you know, he doesn't just teach us by example. He leads by example. Mm-hmm. And he, mm-hmm. he doesn't just give us illustrations. He is the illustration. That's right. And, 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 the, and the power we find in Jesus Christ you know, it's it's it isn't it isn't on ourselves. The power is is of God. We don't stand in the wisdom of men. We don't stand in the wisdom of men. We stand in the wisdom of God. That's we right. stand in and we stand on God's word. You know, uh, un- uncompromising, unapologetic. It's His word. People can try to reinvent it, twist it, rest it. Do all of those kind of things, but the bottom line is God just God laughs because you know he 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 his word stands forever. Jesus told mm-hmm. the Pharisees, the scribes, and the Sadducees. He told all of them, looking straight at them, straight in the face, knowing they were plotting to kill him, and he, mm-hmm. he looked them straight in the face and he said, "You err that you don't know the scriptures." That's right. You. You are in error because you don't know God's word. And and then he then amazing, amazing. He looked at him and says, "You know something? The scripture can't be broken. Mm-hmm. They can mm-hmm. they can break our bodies. They can crucify us. They can send us to the pagans. They can they can attack us. And and the Bible says, Paul tells us, the scripture says." We are slain all the day long, all the day long, and God's word still stands. That's right. And and when when and folks, Melinda Dodd prayed for the persecuted church. You better you better understand something. It can it can be it can become true that you are the persecuted church in an instant. That's right. In an, in an instant in time, beloved. 
And I've been preaching for five years now. Pray and prepare. Pray and prepare, folks. You know, we we look at our, our society. It emulates. It emulates, tries to emulate truth the society and civilization around us. And some in the society and civilization, they try to, you know, they, they, they plot and, 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 pre- and they prepare, you know. They, they, they think they can survive what's coming. They think they can train as survivalists. And I have a, a, I have a brother in Christ, and, you know, he's, he's a backwards survival uh, mm-hmm. uh, instructor. And, and he's a born-again Christian, and Dave knows. Dave knows, point blank. Uh, let me tell you something, folks. The, the first thing you've got to uh, survive on, you've got to be born again. You're not going to survive anything. Mm. You're not born again. Mm. You're not going to survive anything. And mm-hmm. you, can, you can have all the AR-15s in the world and all the uh, MREs in the world, and you can have a bunker, an isolated bunker, and, and uh, off the grid somewhere. And if you don't know Jesus Christ, you're not going to survive anything. And, right. and the glory That's a frightening thought. Yes. And the glory about Jesus Christ, my friends, and the and the majesty and the and the wonderful joy is in Jesus Christ. We don't we we're not survivors. We're conquerors. That's right. That's right. We're more we're, positive. we are more than conquerors in Jesus mm-hmm. Christ. Mm-hmm. More. Yeah, a lot of you know a lot of people get I'm sorry. No, go ahead, Linda. Go ahead. No, I, I I was just thinking, you know, when I when I was um, new in the Lord and and I first started hearing about all of this, it it there's an element of fear that a lot of people when they when there's a lot of focus put on this, they they look at it from a worldly perspective, and fear comes into play. But the more that the Lord shows you, and you're right, buy into His Word. Our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. And you you get so far removed from the things of this world that, I mean, I would even go so far as you have to be careful who you talk to because they think, oh, this person's suicidal. They keep saying they want to go home. we got to watch this one. You know, we, we want to be here because we have a mission. He gives us those desires of our hearts, and it's for the lot. But that fear, that element of fear goes away. You take those thoughts captive because it's not about, as you say, and, and that even that is biblical. It, it's in there, you know, that they will go and try to hide in the nooks and crannies of the mountains. And, you know, it, there's going to be a lot of people that are going to say, oh, I wish, I wish I would have. But if we just continue, and it is the Lord's will that none should perish. So if we just continue to intercede, I know there's there's a lot of people. I'm, who doesn't have a, an unsaved loved one? You, know, you continue in, in prayer and, and keep your eyes solely set and focused on him. And we were born for such a time as this. This is not, you know, I don't know why I'm alive now when all this stuff's happening. No, he has a purpose, a, a purpose for us. And he prepares us. The good work he started in us, he will complete, perform, and perfect until the day he calls us home, whichever way that is. But it's exciting. The element of fear um, that slowly dissipates. 
when Jesus' face becomes more and more clear by and through his word, and we yearn. Well, that's our blessed hope. Right, Chappie? That's our blessed hope. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, in these last days and end times, and we're talking about this briefly, folks, and and just our little, I guess you'd say, banter back and forth. You know, I'm, I'm not a... <laughs> I'm not above. I'm not above saying that, folks. But uh, you know, when you stop and think, beloved, when you stop and think that you are, like she just said, are you listening? Is the Holy Spirit kind of nudging you, saying, "Pay attention to what you're hearing here." You are here for such a time as this. You are here. Don't ask yourself, "Why am I here?" You think you've seen things happen that break your heart, shock you, and make your jaw drop? You think you've seen We haven't seen anything yet. Mm-hmm. We haven't seen anything yet. And here's, here's the thing. As the time of his appearing, and we see his majesty, and he gathers us unto himself, as the word teaches, as that time approaches, you're going to see stuff that's going to make you just, going to take your breath away. I mean, who would think, who would think you, you could, you, somebody would work, I don't know, three to six months to save up enough money to go to a concert in Las Vegas. Who would think you, 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 you know, that, those people, and, and many of them are Christians, understand that. Many of those folks in Las Vegas were Christians. Mm-hmm. And, and they had worked and saved and scrimped and saved, and, and some of them had done two jobs and just so they could go to this concert in Las Vegas, this music festival. And they could see their favorite country music uh, 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 performer. And, 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 you know, they had families with them. They had, they had their loved ones with them. They had their husbands and wives with them, children with them. Who would think that they would go there and become right in the middle of the greatest mass murder in American history. Mm-hmm. I mean, think about that. Well, what about those people in Sutherland Springs? Every last person in that fellowship. They, when they got up that Sunday morning, they had breakfast, and, and they got dressed for church, and, and they went to that church. You think, they, you think that many of them thought, the 20, 20 so of them, you think they thought they were going to be in heaven before lunchtime? Mm-hmm. Beloved, we're going to see things that will take our breath away. And what God is showing us in all of these things is don't think any of you are immune. Don't mm-hmm. think any of you are outside the realm of, of giving your life for Christ. Don't think any of you are in the realm that you're somehow above others. Because uh, Jesus, you know, when when they came to Jesus in the gospel, and the greatest tragedy there that happened, the greatest thing that happened there was these two towers collapsed, and they came and 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 and, and the and the scuttlebutt among the Jews was, you know, the people who died in that tragedy, and and hundreds died, hundreds died in this collapse of these towers, and and they came. And and they came to Jesus and they said, you know, what about this? What about what happened there? 
Where was God there? And Jesus looked straight up, straight at him in the face. And I believe he looked at his disciples and apostles and the people who came to him. And Jesus said, let me tell you something. Except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. Mm -hmm. We live in 2018, folks. We live in a day and age when the gospel of the gospel is being taught in many, many churches. There is no repentance. There's not even a requirement for repentance. It's like where Jesus says, bring forth fruits worthy of repentance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like those words were never written. So so these people have reinvented Christianity and reinvented faith and, 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 and cherry-picked what they want to believe and tossed aside what they don't want That's to believe. Right. And, That's right. And, and, let me, and let me tell you something, folks. Uh, don't think for one moment God's not taking account. There are angels. There are angels. There are angels that are documenting every single thing going on. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I, I, I tell unsaved people this and their eyes get wide. And, and, and I tell people who who are militant atheists, these things, and their eyes get wide. The gospel is simple. (laughs) There it is. There Mm -hmm. it is. There is the truth right staring them. But you need to know you need need a Savior first. You need to come to that realization that you, you are lost. There's not one worthy. No, not one. That's repeated. And Amen. that's the whole purpose of, of the the commandment, is to show a person. I mean, talk about Exodus. Talk about the Israelites. Oh, just give us a king. Hey, we can handle it. We can do it. No, you cannot. You, and, and pride, it all stems from pride. There's going to be a lot of people that are going to be down on their knees too late. You have to know yep. that you need a Savior. And, it, and I think the Lord... I don't know, Chappie, tell me what you feel about this. I think the Lord in his mercy allows a person to get to the end of themselves, and that's when a lot of people say, and there's no God, look at what's happening to this guy. Well, it's in his mercy because we really, in him, we live and move and have our being. A lot of our trials, too, I, I think has to do with, with us getting to the end of ourselves. He want, Well, Paul. Most gladly, therefore, will I glory in my infirmities. Hmm. But, yeah, it's we, we ain't seen nothing yet, uh, that's for sure. And look at California, what's going on there. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And, and the uh, truth of the matter is there's going to be lots of people come to God and, and Jesus and, and to Jesus in the day. He said they're going to come mm-hmm. to me. They're going to say, Lord, Lord, we we did this in your name, and we did that in your name. Mm-hmm. Christ looked straight at him. And, and, and this is a, the greatest indictment. I, I consider it the greatest indictment in all of the Gospels is that you would invest a life, your life doing stuff in Christ's name, claiming Christ when you never knew him. That's right. You never 
and 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 it's not so much that I didn't know it. It's not like people are going to say, but 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 you you know I I I loved you. You know I I, I served you. I did these things. And God's going to look at him and say, you know, do I have to show you the evidence that you did it? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, Jesus said, and people pass right over it, you know, because it's in the Gospels. And so, you know, if you're a strong Christian, you don't you don't have to go back to the Gospels anymore. <laughs> Excuse me. Oops. Yeah, and, and, Oops. Or, or or yeah, it's it's, it's it, you got to laugh because if you don't laugh, you got, you're going to cry because there are folks yeah. out there who say, "Well, I don't really follow Paul's teachings." Uh. I I follow so and so. I follow Peter. Or you know, and it's just like Paul. Paul said in his day, some say Apollos, some say Paul. You know, Paul said, "No, no, it's none of us. It's Christ." That's right. It's Christ. And so, yes, you do have to go back to the Gospels. I mean, how do, how is it that you, you know, the command is, uh, uh, "Why call you me Lord, Lord, and do not the things I say?" Mm-hmm. Where did where do we find where Christ says? We find it in the Gospels. Mm-hmm. See, that's what happens mm-hmm. with with a lot of folks is they get they get this head knowledge and they think the head knowledge is what counts, and it's not the head knowledge that counts. You know, it's like people who follow Jesus Christ like they believe in Abraham Lincoln. You know. Yeah, he was he was <laughs> they, a good spiritual teacher. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, yeah, there it is. He was a good He's prophet. A good spiritual. You know, it's always the deity. Him. It's all. Yeah, it's always the deity you know? of Christ that is attached. Yes, it is. And and why? The, en- the enemy is not stupid. Yeah. Yeah, and he, the enemy, he knows very full well. If you believe in the deity, mm-hmm. if you believe in Christ, if you defend the deity, if if you defend the person of Jesus Christ, if you defend his finished work on the cross, if you defend his physical resurrection from the grave, then suddenly mm-hmm. all the ancillary arguments and all the uh, uh, subliminal beliefs and uh, mm-hmm. beliefs and all that they they melt away into insignificance. That's right. That's because right. it's Jesus. It's Jesus Christ. It's, it's Jesus awesome. plus nothing. Anytime Amen. anybody adds Jesus plus something, it's wrong. Amen. That's been tried and true. It's all about. Jesus. He is our only hope. Our only hope. And you know, you think about it, for all of those that are into works-based religion, because it is a false doctrine, it's like saying, okay, I believe Jesus died on the cross, but now that I am acknowledging that, I'm going to help him. I've got it now. I'll do the rest. (laughs) You know, he changes our hearts and gives us new desires and, and for those that, that have been a, a Christian for any amount of time, you talk about fruit and meat for repentance. It's going to happen. People are going to say, what happened to her? What happened to him? This is the fruit meat for repentance. But God is the one that does that through the Lord, the good work he has begun in you. He will complete. He will perform. He will perfect. A person cannot do it in and of themselves. And that's wisdom. Chappie, what does it say in there about man's wisdom? What is that to God? 
and it, it, they and they don't and they don't realize that because they don't read it. They don't. I don't know. Well, I do know, but you gave me the mic, so I better give it back to you. <laughs> I love it. I, I love our discussion, Linda. I love our discussion, <laughs> and this, she's she's right, folks. She's right, folks, because works-based religion turns into religious formality, turns into religious tradition, until mm-hmm. finally it's it's no longer about the word; it's about the writings of men. That's right. It's 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 about what what people believe instead of what God teaches. You see, the word is the word is alive, mm-hmm. and Jesus Christ is alive in us. And He, the Bible says in the Gospel of John, the first chapter, read it yourself. Jesus Christ is the Word made flesh. That's right. Christ is the Word. He's the Bible in human flesh. Mm-hmm. That's why. That's why when He comes back, the world's going to flee and try to hide, like she said earlier, in the clefts of the rocks and in the caves. And they're going to call the mountains. Please fall on us. Please bury us. Hide us. And why is that? Because they can't look into the majesty of truth in God's word. They can't escape it. They can, they can hide behind, uh, I did this in your name and I did that in your name. They can hide behind uh, 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 <laughs> the wisdom of men. They can hide behind intellectual assent. But it all burns away in an instant in the light of God's word, which is alive. God's word is alive.
times of war and in days of peace, by kings, physicians, tax collectors, farmers, fishermen, singers, and shepherds. The marvel is that a library so perfectly cohesive could have been produced by such a diverse crowd over a period of time which staggered the imagination. Jesus is his grand subject. Our good is designed as the glory of God in its end. Of the conversation. Oh yes, I was thinking that too. <laughs> <laughs> it was like the perfect song to punch up at the at the moment we were we were we were having our banter. Is that the word? Banter. banter. <laughs> I like that word. <laughs> right. Well, we're getting ready in just a few moments to go into uh, the message, so I hope everybody has their Bible handy. According to this. Uh, this this scanner on the broadcast it says there's 212 people listening now, and that's oh amazing because that's yeah the hot pretty great and I'm just like wow Lord praise the Lord and if mm-hmm. there's any Jewish people out there if any Jewish folks are out there listening shalom aleichem to you and and we preach the whole counsel of God here Jesus mm-hmm. Christ crucified risen and coming again otherwise known as Yeshua HaMashiach. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to say that from our Jewish friends. And we are uh, daily, and uh, please please hear us, we daily pray for Israel and the peace mm-hmm. of Jerusalem. We do. And, and we pray for the salvation of Israel and the redemption of Israel. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have many, many friends and many Jewish ministries and uh folks who reach out to the Jews and and when we do so we do so with the gospel of Jesus Christ mm-hmm. and we just want to I want to say that right here for all our Jewish friends who may be listening and also we are uh, talking about praying I I want to mention on behalf of that in my capacity as pastor Berean Bible Chapel that Brian Bible Chapel encourages its members in flock 
and friends to submit and submit their uh, spoken and unspoken prayer requests for for prayer. So many folks, as Linda said earlier, in, in her opening prayer, she mentioned about spoken and unspoken prayer requests, and we do uh, have a very, very uh, solid, well-biblically-founded prayer ministry here. And we don't just pray for folks. We try to help folks, too. And I deal on a weekly basis in my capacity as pastor with folks in fiery trial, some fighting lupus, Lyme disease, cancer, cardiovascular uh, disease, spinal injuries, even uh, uh, ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease. And we we have many, many folks who are like, like our sister Linda told us in the opening prayer when she was talking is there are so many people going through so many serious uh it's very serious uh matters and you know uh when you hear the word unspoken requests they wonder about that and I'll, and let me explain about an unspoken request before we go into our hymn right before the uh message and the uh unspoken prayer request a lot of folks uh, especially those in fiery trials, they, they're not ready. They're not ready or comfortable. And they have the liberty in Christ Jesus not to share the details of, you know, not to, not to uh, be completely, totally 100% vulnerable and 100% uh, open and, you know, forthright and everything with every jot and tittle detail of their life. It is sufficient that Jesus t- teaches that God knows what we ask, we're going to pray for before we even ask it. Mm-hmm. But he still wants us to pray. And so I believe there is a biblical precedent to accept unspoken prayer requests and not to require the details, not to require some it's like it's like some folks expect brethren who are suffering extreme hardship to to just provide every detail of, of, of what is breaking their hearts and shattering their lives. And that's not, what, not why we're here, folks. We're here to pray. The responsibility, the commission, the command is to pray without ceasing. And, you know, when we pray, we're trusting God's provisional will. For what he's going to provide, as he and how he's going to respond when we pray. So you know, don't apologize for an unspoken prayer request. When people ask for an unspoken prayer request, there's a reason behind it. And some, and let me tell you something: as a pastor, speaking, dealing, and and interacting with these blessed people going through trials and tribulations that would break most saints, would break most people. Uh, they're not, <laughs> they're they're very grateful for your prayers for unspoken prayer requests. And, and you know, uh, there's no, there's no requirement to, 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 to share what is utterly breaking your heart, what is Required of us is that we get found faithful 
faithful prey. And Jesus says, when, when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith on the earth? Well, the only one that can answer that question, my friends, is you. And and I just wanted to say that as a qualification for this ministry, because we have had some debate in recent days from folks uh, demanding the details. And no, my my beloved friends in Jesus, that's not going to happen at Berean Bible Chapel. We don't demand anything. We we all we do is obey and follow and walk with the Lord in obedience. All right, so uh, I'm I'm gonna play the hymn that leads us into the message, uh, into the uh, pulpit time, I guess you'd call it, if I can find it. Uh, <laughs> are you still there, Melinda? I'm still here. <laughs> All right, here we go. Yes, this is for Kathy Hunt, if she's listening, and Malia and Cheryl and oh, and Anita and all the ladies on staff and Linda and especially to Marianne. We're praying for you, Marianne. Y'all pray for Marianne, and uh, we would deeply appreciate it. The cancer battle is very, very, very hard.
Amen. All right. Open your Bibles, everyone, to Second Chronicles, Old Testament passage we're going to start at. We're going to take a little journey through the scriptures in a minute, but right now we're opening in Second Chronicles, chapter 20. We're going to be looking at verses 14 and 15. Then upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Baniah, the son of Jael, the son of Matthiel, a Levite of the sons of Asaph, came the Spirit of the Lord in the midst of the congregation. And he said, Hearken you all, Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem, and thou, King Jehoshaphat, thus saith the Lord unto you, Be not afraid nor dismayed by the reason of the great multitude, for the battle is not yours but God's. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. Second Chronicles twenty fourteen and 15. This is a sermon entitled, The Battle Around Us. Hold your finger in Second Chronicles, and soon we'll head over to Ephesians. Make no mistake, brothers and sisters in Christ, make no mistake, every minute of every hour of every day, we are engaged in spiritual warfare. This is this is a necessity to understand if you're going to receive anything from this message. You have to understand this is war. We're engaged in spiritual warfare. If you are born again, Bible-believing Christian, you're going to find yourself engaged in spiritual warfare. You're going to find yourself uh, facing a fiery trial. You're going to find yourself in trials and tribulations. Every hour of every day, no mistake. Some of us know it more personal. We see how it impacts our children, how it impacts our family, how it impacts us. We are engaged. Not one second will we ever be excused or immune from the war because this is a war. It's a war between God in heaven and the devil and his angels. It's called the conflict of the ages, if you want to give it a name. Turn over to Revelation chapter 12, 7 through 12. I'm going to show you a remarkable passage. Revelation. Revelation chapter 12. We're talking about war, aren't we? Look what it says in verse 7. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought in his angels. Do you, do you understand what's going on here? Michael's an archangel, and all the angels with Mark, uh, Michael are sent by God to intercept Satan, who is the dragon. We'll see that in just a second. And look what it says in verse 8. Here's, here's hope for the victory. Here's hope for where the victory is. Look what it says. The dragon and the dragon fought in his angels and prevailed not. Three little words. And prevailed not. And then look, neither was there a place found any more in heaven. There's going to come the day when the accuser of the brethren is cast out of heaven after he dares to try to revolt 
against God himself. This is this is the height of not just hubris, but spiritual pride. This is the apex. It is the it is the the summit, the very summit, far beyond Everest, of daring to challenge God. And that's what Satan has always done and always sought to do. It's what he he does every moment he accuses any brethren in Christ. He is issuing a challenge to God to God's authority, to God's love, to God's position, to God's very person. That is the enemy we're talking about. This is the enemy we face on the battlefield. Look, and then it says in verse 9, And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil, and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. Let's, let's not miss any words here. Anything and everything Satan desires to do, no matter what attack it is, no matter who he comes against, the whole effort, the whole foundation, the whole endeavor is to deceive. It's to deceive. It's to call into question God's deity, the deity of his son, God's authority, God's love, God's wisdom, God's compassion, God's heart, every single thing is meant to deceive you about God and his word and his son and his gospel and his plans and his will. He was cast out into the earth and his angels cast out with him. Let's understand something. People think, uh, you know, if if I'm a good survivalist, I can survive the tribulation. All I got to do is go off the grid. No, my friends, because maybe the F, maybe the federal government can't find you. Maybe humans in the federal government serving the Antichrist can't find you, but I assure you, Satan and his demons will find you. And no human weapon form can destroy a spirit, a demonic spirit. Only Jesus Christ brings spirits into subjugation. Jesus Christ is given all authority and power in heaven and on earth. And he won that at Calvary. He was given that at Calvary when he conquered death and sin and hell and saved us and redeemed us and was faithful and found faithful. And look, and uh, verse 10 Revelation 12, and I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now has come salvation and strength in the kingdom of our God. Lots of people think our, our mission as Christians is to build the kingdom of God on earth. No, it isn't. No, it isn't. We're to point people to Jesus Christ. He's the one who builds the kingdom. He's the one who builds his church. We're supposed to bring souls to Jesus Christ. We're supposed to bring people to Jesus Christ, to point them to Christ, to show them Jesus Christ in us. And look what it says, and the power of his Christ. Don't you love that? There's where the kingdom of God is found, in the power of his Christ. The only begotten son of the living God. And look, 
for the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. I, I can't wait for that moment. I can't wait for that moment. Linda Dodd mentioned Job at the beginning of the message and in the beginning in, in our discussions, and she mentioned Job. Job's the accuser of the brethren. He came before God to accuse Job. And God said, have you considered my servant Job? Now, Job went through it all, didn't he? But Job came to the point where he could say, I know my Redeemer, and I shall see his face and stand. I know my Redeemer liveth. And here is, here we see the war raging furiously in heaven. Not just on earth, not just in your your life and walk with Christ, but in heaven itself. Is it any wonder why Jesus says your will be done on earth as it is in heaven? Heaven and earth are inextricably linked. Is it any wonder why he tells his church whatsoever you bound or bind on earth is bound in heaven? Well, whosoever you forgive is forgiven. That's why forgiveness is so critically important to the to the Christians. The war, the war shows us in unquestioning and uncompromising fashion how we attain victory. In this war Look what it says in verse 10 The salvation and strength In the kingdom of God And the power of his Christ For the accuser of the brethren Which accused them as cast down Who did it before our God day and night And they overcame him By the blood of the lamb And by the word of their testimony And they loved not their lives unto death. Are you ready to die for Jesus Christ? You say, uh, when, right now? Now the question is, put before you, do you realize that's how you overcome? You're ready to die? You're willing to die? I give my life to you, Jesus. Do you realize when you get saved and you give your heart and life to Christ, that's what you're doing? That's what he owns. He owns your life. We're bond slaves, Paul tells us, to Christ. That's why we love each other so much, because we're united in Christ and commissioned and commanded to love each other and pray for each other and fervently love, pray for each other and fervently love one another because it says love covers a multitude of sins. God's love covers the multitude of sins. Christ's blood is how we overcome. That's how we attain victory in this war, a war that at one point in the near future extends into heaven itself. So whenever you read Revelation 12, 7 through 12, look what it says in verse 11. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony, they love not their lives unto death. Therefore, rejoice, you heavens, and ye that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea, for the devil has come down unto them. 
having great wrath because he knoweth he hath but a short time. Those verses in Revelation 12, 7 through 12, they're speaking. They're speaking to the faithful remnant in the true church and body of Christ. How is it that our brothers who are persecuted for their faith, how is it that those brothers who die, those sisters who die, with amazing grace being sung, whispered and and singing as they're decapitated and strangled and, and shot and crucified and tortured and burned alive, how is it they're able to do that because they love not their lives unto death? They love Jesus Christ more than life itself. And when I say, you better prepare for the possibility for persecution because the Bible tells us, and Timothy tells us point blank, all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall, not might, shall suffer persecution. And every minute and every hour of every day that you have on this earth, God is giving you, if you have never suffered persecution, he's giving you time to prepare for it. He's giving you time to ready yourself to do what the scripture says, to stand and having done all, to stand. Ephesians 6, Ephesians 6, 10 through 20, describes the warfare in detail, showing us the enemy we face in his forces, principalities, powers, spiritual wickedness in high places. That's the forces arrayed against us. It's not flesh and blood. It's those forces arrayed against us. And so we have to be uh, wearing the armor of God. And I urge Christians to go there and read that armor. Read what that armor is. Because it's showing us the enemy we face, our defenses, and how those defenses are provided by none other than God himself. It's not our armor. It's not armor that Paul owned. It's not armor that Peter and and Thomas and the rest of the apostles owned. It's God's armor. Paul reveals it's God's armor. It's the whole armor of God. In other words, it's the same armor Christ wore to the cross. And when it came time for him to go to the cross, you know what Christ did? He was completely, totally vulnerable. And he went and suffered, bled, and died. And was crucified and tortured and scourged so that you and I wouldn't have to be. God's armor, he provides to us. The whole armor of God, he provides to us. It's from God himself. And remarkably speaking, the Ephesians passage also points out if you read Ephesians 6, 10 through 20, you'll see that it points out we are also ambassadors of the ministry of reconciliation. Why? Because it's emphasizing that our responsibility to the commission 
the Great Commission and the command to live and share the gospel never ceases, even on the spiritual battlefield. And the command is there, and the commission is still in force. And even when the war is at its most intense and furious, and the enemy at his most relentless and attacking. Back in Second Chronicles 20, 14, and 15, it shows us the battle around us rages, but it is God's battle. The battle belongs to God. The battle isn't yours. The battle is God. The battle belongs to the Lord. And look, every question we ask in this battle on this on this on this battlefield, every question we're asking God. You know what the answer is? The answer is yes. God will come to our aid. God will answer our prayers. God will give us his strength. God will pour out his grace. God will. Because that's his provisional will for us. He will provide. His name, one of his names is Jehovah Jireh. The Lord will provide. And this is the Lord we serve. Our Lord Jesus Christ. So the answers are yes. And it's God's will. God's will. Not our will. God's will will be done. God wants us to call upon him. He wants us to do so. He understands that this is what we're going to do. We must accept God's answer. Oh, we fuss and we fume and we cry and we try when we all we really need to do is just go to God and trust him and understand it's not just trusting in him, it's trusting him in his person. Who he is, as God is revealed in the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus says, you've seen me, you've seen the Father. They said, show us the Father. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Imagine having your, your sandals blown off right in front of you. You're standing there with your jaws hanging open. Then less than two, three hours later, abandoning him, running off, fleeing, hiding, denying you know him three times, and yet his love remains. Because it's love, my friends, that wins the battle. Love from God, love of God, love from God. Second Chronicles 2014 shows us the battle around us rages, but it is God's battle. Even when the war is at its most intense and furious and the enemy at, it, at his most relentless and attacking, it is God's battle. Battle is the Lord's. I recommend a two-step method to help you overcome the adversity that you encounter on this spiritual battlefield. It's very simple. You can write this down at the margin of your Bible. 
Number one, pray fervently, stay in God's word, and love. That's number one. Pray fervently, stay in God's word, and love fervently. Number two, go back to step number one. That's how you do it, beloved. You don't have to be a rocket scientist at NASA to understand what's entailed here. You don't have to be a doctor of theology at Midwestern Bible Seminary or Dallas Theological Seminary or any other seminary. You get this straight from God's word, and God's word is sufficient. If you note, in Second Chronicles 20.14, the battle always begins with God's Holy Spirit coming in the midst of the congregation. That's what it said. Guess what? We are the congregation. This is why the Bible says, not by might, but by God's Holy Spirit. Not by might, but by God's Holy Spirit. The Jews thought if we had enough weapons, had enough shields, had enough spears, we can defeat any enemy. God sent them into battle without spears and without shields and without swords. And in this battle with Jehoshaphat, he sends them out to meet the enemy, and he tells them, just stand still. Stand still. Wow. <laughs> What's the promise? What's 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 going on here, God? Uh, we're going out to battle, but all, we're not going to engage the enemy. We're just going to stand there. And that's exactly what happened. And God promises to ensure the victory because God's Holy Spirit, combined with praise and worship to God, devotion to God, obedience to God, is mightier than any and all military arsenals. God promises to ensure the victory so long as we are faithfully in formation in the battle. That's what he told them to do. Stand in formation. Stand you steady. No matter what you see, no matter what you behold, don't look at the multitudes arrayed against you. Don't look at any of that. Stand steady. Stand there. Don't move. Stand in formation. Stay in formation. So the question arises, God promises to ensure the victory so long as we are faithfully in formation in the battle. Are you on the battlefield? Are you in formation? Verse 17, verse 17 of Second Chronicles. Look. I might have jumped ahead. i got to go back. <laughs> Oh, guy disease. (laughs) Here it is. Verse 17 says, look. You shall not need to fight in this battle. Set yourselves, stand ye still, and see the salvation of the Lord. Judah and Jerusalem, fear not, be not be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord will be with you. Sometimes it takes to stand steady. It takes just to be with the Lord. With the Lord. 
God promises. We only have to be present, standing absolutely still and quiet. How did, did God speak to them? Did he speak in the tornado? Did he speak to them in a whirlwind? Did he speak to them in a, a massive earthquake? No, he, the Bible says there was a still, small voice. God spoke out of the stillness. God doesn't need a lot of hullabaloo and a lot of noise and sound and fury signifying nothing. God operates in the stillness of our hearts. He operates in the stillness of our thoughts and minds. God operates just in the stillness. So what are the lessons we have to make part of our life from this passage? What is it about this on the spiritual battlefield that will help us? Well, the lessons of Second Chronicles 20 is that obeying God's directions and instructions, obeying God's word, God's voice results in victory. It also reveals God will work a miracle when only a miracle will work. Lord, send a miracle. We need a miracle. Here is the secret. Every day on the battlefield is a miracle. Every moment in time serving our Lord Jesus Christ is a miracle. How is it that so many who name the name of Christ have forgotten this biblical truth? We serve the only begotten Son of the living God. We've never even seen seen him. You don't call that a miracle? I've never seen him face to face, but I believe him. I trust him. I trust in him. I serve him. But I'm nobody special. You can do the same exact thing. In fact, you're called to do the same exact thing. When he was lifted up, I love that, it was it was the Holy Spirit today. I know that, Linda Dodd. It mm-hmm. was the Holy Spirit when you said, if he is lifted up, all will mm-hmm. be drawn to him. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the truth of God's word. That's the miracle. And praise. Praise is always marked by a readiness to serve our Lord Jesus Christ. He told Jehoshaphat that and the soldiers of Israel, and the people of Israel, he told them all, he told them all, praise God, praise the Lord. And they all had a readiness to serve. From Jehoshaphat on down. And if you go back to Second Chronicles 20 and look at verse 13, what does it say? It says, and all Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, and their children. That means God wants your family there too. Your family counts, matters, is important. Verse 20 appears as as if it's lifted. I love verse 20, 2 Chronicles 20. Look at verse 20. And they rose early in the morning and went forth into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went forth, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah. And you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Now, this is the king speaking. This is King Jehoshaphat. Praise God for godly leaders. Listen to what he said. 
He says, believe in the Lord your God. So shall you be established. Believe in his prophets. So shall you prosper. Now, that's not the prosperity gospel. Don't you for a moment think that. That word prosper means increase. Increase. You shall increase. It means increase your faith, your devotion, your worship, your praise. It's like it's like Jehoshaphat lifted those words straight from the Gospels in the New Testament. Believe in the Lord your God and you are established. Believe in God's prophets and so shall you prosper. Prosper into faith and walk with our Lord Jesus Christ. God's prophets speak for the ancient of days. Bible prophecy cannot be divided or ignored from God's word. Bible prophecy contains over 26% of the Bible itself. We would be incomplete to ignore or dismiss Bible prophecy as if it doesn't exist, as if somehow it's irrelevant, as if somehow it, it has no significance or meaning. Bible prophecy helps us to increase our hunger for God and for God's word. That's what he's talking about. Now, I'm going to say some things. Evangelical Christianity leadership in 2018 excoriate and marginalize Bible believers who declare Bible prophecy and even declare God's word. And, they, and they, I've been called, I've been called, and I have, I've got brothers and sisters in Christ who, when they respond to false teaching and deception and all, they point blank, are, their, their response is, you are an idolater of God's word. All you do is care about the Bible. You don't care about his spirit. All you care about is the word, the word of God. Or when we try to point false teachers and false uh, uh, doctrines and and, and, and and compare them to the biblical standard and benchmarks established in the Bible, we are accused of denying God's spirit. And when we lift up Jesus Christ and say, no, it's not about the spirit. It's, don't emphasize the Holy Spirit. You're supposed to emphasize Jesus Christ. We are accused of... Uh, well, I don't want to say some of the things. Some of them are quite profane and blasphemous. And this is just this is what's going on right now in evangelical Christ, uh, churchianity and Christianity, or in among the leadership and among the congregations and denominations confused there. Because let me tell you something: it's evidence of blatant and blasphemous disobedience on the part of evangelical churchianity, and they walk in disobedience, my friends. I'm sorry. They just had a conference in Wheaton College in Wheaton, Illinois, and every evangelical uh, leader in America showed up there who was worth his salt. And what did they do? Did, did, did Did they address the issues? Did they Did they say, we've got to call them the nation to repentance? 
and faith in Jesus Christ. That isn't what they did. You know what they did? They argued about politics. And the nation is dying and going to hell, and there's no voice from the evangelical leadership. They are spiritually bankrupt. And these are folks we trusted in the past to represent Jesus Christ, who proclaim God's word. I never thought I would live to see the day that I would preach a sermon and expose evangelical Christianity as a sham and a shadow, void of light and truth. been captured by the enemy. They threw down the whole armor of God on the battlefield and fled. They've departed from the scriptures. They walk in disobedience. They've reinvented, redefined Christianity itself, twisting and resting the scriptures and perverting, adding to and taking away from God's word. They are apostate. Follow them not. Ichabod, the glory has departed, is etched by the finger of God across their name. And if you believe otherwise, you're being deceived and you're under delusion. You should read some of the teachings and doctrines in evangelicalism in these days. You would shudder and and throw your hands up and drop to your knees and weep. They are a mere shadow of what they once represented, what they once professed to believe. They are fragmented, poor, wretched, blind, and naked of their own choice and of their own decision and compromise infects and infests their very foundations and cornerstones. It is no longer about Jesus Christ among their leadership. Now it is all about them. And their leaderships. The discussion isn't about them. It's not about the congregations. It's about their leaderships. Who's going who's gonna to be in charge? Who's going to influence the most? Who's going to have the most uh, congregations? Who's going to have the biggest megachurch? They're talking about evangelicalism 25 to 30, 50 years into the future. Do you think we have 50, 25 to 50 years left on this earth? You say, well, God might delay his coming. Yes. But do you think that evangelicalism is going to redeem itself? It can't, because nobody can redeem themselves. We're told to redeem the times because the days are evil. We're told to win people to the lost, to salvation and redemption in Jesus Christ. That means calling people to repentance. But there is no call to repentance from evangelicalism in America. Only in few churches, few and far between. 
everything they say is a result of disobedience to the word of God and compromise of the same. They preach a gospel void and empty of repentance, a crossless Christian life. You don't have to carry a cross anymore. You get the spirit of God. You know what some of them do? They can actually talk to dead saints. God help them. They go and they pray at the tombs of dead Christians trying to gain power from the dead. You say, Chaplain Bill, I don't believe that. Oh, you want me to send you the documentation? I will. Send me your mailing address. I'll send you the documentation. And their emphasis isn't Jesus Christ. Their emphasis is the Spirit. They declare that God's Holy Spirit but in John 16, we see the Holy Spirit's ministry, and emphasis is never himself. It's always magnifying and exalting Jesus Christ in the Word of God. Thus, the Spirit emphasized by many in evangelical leadership is not God's Holy Spirit. It is another spirit. It is a spirit that is a fallen angel, a demon, a seducing spirit, which has led the vast majority of evangelical Christianity and its leadership into false teaching, false doctrine, a false and fraudulent counterfeit Christianity. And this, my friends, is how the new apostolic reformation has flourished and grown by leaps and bounds in hundreds of evangelical churches and is entrenched in so many Christian denominations in America today. Compromise always leads to heresy, and heresy leads to error, and error always leads to disobedience and lies and apostasy and spiritual adultery and infidelity against the testimony of Jesus Christ and the testimony of the Word of God. So today we have observed the battle around us rages in relentless and unrelenting fury and attack. Thousands who began the battle have thrown off the whole armor of God, fled the field, and their armor litters the battlefield like stones and pebbles on the broad highway that leads to destruction. They have fled, some joining the enemy, seduced away from Bible truth and temptation and in carnality and in disobedience. Others are in abject apathy and religious tradition and religious formality. But the battle around us rages nonetheless onward and in chaos and utter confusion. And the sound of battle can terrify, but the Bible teaches us as Bible-believing Christians to fear not. To trust the Lord Jesus Christ, believe in the Lord your God, and believe in God's prophets. We are established and we will soon with joy increase and prosper in our faith and walk with Christ. That is the promise of God. One day in Southeast Asia, a promise was made. During the war in Vietnam, a group of special forces, Green Berets, they were in a jungle battlefield at a remote fire base surrounded by over a 1,000 North Vietnamese communist soldiers determined to wipe out and destroy every living soul at that fire base. That fire base established in the middle of enemy territory. 
The crossfire of enemy fire by the NVA troops was vicious, vicious. Time and again, enemy rocket-propelled grenades thudded and exploded, hurling shrapnel-like fiery darts everywhere. Phosphorus explosions lit up the night. And then let me tell you something. It's wicked to see light of that sort lighting up the darkness. You cannot put out a phosphorus explosion by throwing water upon it or immersing it in water. Phosphorus shells burn underwater. They suck the very oxygen out of the water to keep burning. So you can imagine how vicious and terrifying this battle was for the soldiers surrounded by the enemy, and still they fought on hour after hour, each moment in eternity, each instant peril and danger, a clear and present evidence of the enemy encroaching closer and closer. Suddenly, there was the sound of aircraft, fast movers, they called them, jet fighter bombers dropping napalm, explosive ordnance upon the tree line where the enemy approached. Napalm, my friends, for those of you not aware, is jelly gas gasoline. It's jelly gasoline. And it's designed to ignite and explode. And it just, they dropped the napalm explosive ordnance upon the tree line where the enemy was approaching. And napalm, as jelly gasoline does, instantaneously, literally burned with such fury and intensity, consuming anything and everything and drenched in the napalm itself. And the NVA troops had to retreat backwards until the flames of the napalm diminished. There was just furious fire everywhere, consuming everything. And at that very instant, Huey helicopters descended from the sky and swept in, and all the Green Berets ran to the Hueys, boarded them, and the first Air Cavalry helicopters lifted the Green Berets into the sky to safety, rescue, and deliverance. Where certain death and destruction had once been with the enemy approaching, it was in that very instant rescue, salvation, redemption arrived. It was a promise made, kept, and delivered. We are God's special forces in these last days and end times. We are God's special forces troops on this spiritual battlefield. Each of us is specifically gifted and trained for this war. We are here for such a time as this, and this battle is for God's purpose and for God's glory. There will come a moment on this battlefield when we will be lifted away to safety, rescue, and deliverance to join our commander-in-chief, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He will not send someone to come bring us to salvation and redemption and victory over the enemy. He will come and lift us into the sky himself. Brethren, that day approaches. The battle around us rages, friends. But Jesus Christ is coming. 
He has promised us with his promise made, and it is a promise that will be kept. So fight on. Hang on. Fear not. The battle is God's. Pray for one another. Stay in God's word. Love one another. Jesus is coming. Let's pray. Father God in heaven, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit in our lives and the way you work in our lives and speak to our hearts in moments of despair and depression and how your strength is made perfect in our weakness and frailty and how your grace is poured out upon us when we just ask. When we just ask. Oh, Father God, speak to the saints and encourage their hearts with your promise. A promise kept and a promise soon to be delivered. Oh, Father God, give us your strength in the days ahead. Help us to truly love one another, to to proclaim your gospel, and to lift up our Lord Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I want to thank everybody for being here. I didn't know if I would get this sermon done. It was a very hard sermon to to write. I I really found myself weeping through a lot of it. And I just, uh, I hope it's been an encouragement to each and every one of you. It's not easy these days for many of us to uh, watch brethren go through fiery trials, especially when when some of us know some of the details that God knows. When you're entrusted with those details, you're very much aware. And yet every single soul that I've ever known in this ministry who is engaged in a fiery trial Always, without exception, they are deeply and profoundly concerned with other brothers and sisters in Christ. They are deeply concerned with what the other's brethren are going through, and they pray for them. And I stand in the presence of such folks, and I sit in, I'm sitting here, and, 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 and I'm just like in awe of God in all of his purposes, in all of his glory, because our Lord is amazing and astonishing, and he never ceases to be that way, not for an instant. He's with us in our fiery trials. He's with us when we, when we feel all alone. We're not alone. And he calls us to be with each other to be with one another also (laughs) believe in the Lord your God believe in God's prophets trust the Lord what time you are afraid 
trust in God. He will encourage you. He will. He will. He will. Thank you, Linda, for being here today. Thank you for your kindness oh, thank and your, you for having me. your patience. And uh, thank you for the uh, readiness and the willingness in your heart to, to uh, help serve in this broadcast. I'm very much and grateful beyond beyond anything I could possibly say. Because uh, uh, blessing was mine. I I needed to hear what you shared today. I needed to hear that, mm-hmm. not just in the prayers, but in what you had to say and what you shared. It was a great blessing and a strength and encouragement to me, and I appreciate it very much. So. You're welcome. And likewise, so, likewise, your sermon was very powerful, edifying, encouraging, uplifting, and your love for the flock, not just not just now in this sermon, but at all times, is so apparent and obvious, and it's so refreshing to see. It's it's more rare than, than we'd probably like to know these days. So thank you. Amen. Amen. You know something, uh I just uh when I when I was researching the sermon and I did the uh I looked up the Wheaton conference, uh, my heart was broken. I was I was no, completely broken. I didn't hear that. That is horrifying. It's yeah, so there's, yeah, they're arguing it, about it, who's. It, it's just heartbreaking, because many of those men of God, many of those folks, I used to pray for and trust, and now I I, I pray for them. I haven't stopped praying, but my heart is broken. I can't believe some of the false doctrine circulating and especially with the NAR oh my gosh yeah. it is turned it, it is you talk about you talk about paganism and yeah. and, and spirit, spiritual paganism that's the only way i can describe mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. to go to the graveside of people and pray for the power that these dead saints have that that would make them turn over in the grave i mean they would never, never agree to that. That is like, that is like reading about the witches of Endor in the Old Testament. Yeah, I mean it's, it's scary. It's scary that this is what leadership teaches. I mean, yeah, it, it, un- it's un- unbelievable. It's one thing I see in common in in a lot of this is they yearn for more. The word isn't enough. The Lord isn't enough. They yearn for more. And when, when a person is at that point, and I read the Bible, but I want more, well, then you're going to get it. And it, it is so great, yeah. grievous. I once, heard, I once heard a Christian conspiracy theorist say that he thought CERN was a doorway into the demonic realm, right? And he was all arguing about CERN, the super collider in Sweden and all of that, in Switzerland, I mean. And he was talking about all of that. And, you know, he could spend hours and hours on YouTube talking about that. But when I read this thing about the evangelical connection to the NAR and how Mm -hmm. they're supporting each other now and they're working toward uh, uh, dominionism and all of that over our society and all of this Mm -hmm. and 
when I that was worse. That that's the opening door to the demonic realm. That is the that's doorway right. to the demonic. And it's just like you said, they, they, the word of God isn't sufficient. The, the mm-hmm. uh, Lord Jesus Christ, his, his person isn't sufficient. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. like they give him lip service, but there's no devotion or worship or adoration. No well, they don't know. Exactly. You know? They don't know him. You know what you had mentioned earlier when Jesus said, you are deceived because you don't know the scriptures or the power yes. of God, they had memorized scripture, but they didn't recognize the Messiah standing right in front of them. So it's the Amen. same today. You you have to make sure you have the right Jesus. That's another whole, my daughter, whole topic. My daughter said, <laughs> yeah, my daughter said something like that about me, uh, to me one time. She said, Daddy, think of it now. She said, Daddy, think of this. Jesus stood right in front of the Sanhedrin chief priest and all of them, and they still mm-hmm. didn't know who he was. Exactly. They refused of their own choice mm-hmm. to believe who he was. Mm-hmm. And, boy, mm-hmm. that, that, sent a sh- that sent a shudder down my back. That sent yeah. a shudder down my back. That Now I see how the deception is possible now in, the, in these last days and the falling away and all of that. I see how it can happen. I see how it is happening. And it breaks mm-hmm. my heart. Breaks my heart. Yeah. Breaks my heart. Yeah. All right. Good Mine night, too. everybody. God bless you. Have a wonderful Thank day. Thank you. We're closing, closing with a, uh, a simple little hymn, Seek ye first the kingdom of God. <laughs> 